Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Retin Cliff's Flea Circus. My name is Cliff. And I'm Spooky Crabtree. I'm a paranormal investigator this week. <laughs> What's your name? Spooky Camp Tree. Spooky Crabtree. Oh, Spooky Crabtree. Okay. I thought yes. you said you were a Spooky Camp Tree. <laughs> I could well be a Spooky Camp Tree. Well, that's what you well look like. <laughs> the branches are like that. <laughs> yeah. There is actually. Uh, of course. It's a, it's a regular phenomenon. Yeah. What do you think of it? <laughs> well, t-shirt? I should know. I think it's a uh, grey. It's grey. It looks rather like a works t shirt. I'm dressed as a cleaner uh-huh. from a mid range hotel. <laughs> <laughs> is I've that actually, your disguise these days? I've actually got its, it's actual staff uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually. We're both very tired tonight, aren't we? We couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't be bothered to uh, get get changed or whatever. So I, I was nearly here in my work attire. Okay. But I, I, did decide I, don't to get work, I don't actually work at this hotel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do. You do. Of course you do. I mean, you get into the vents, don't well, you? You know when you go to the hotels and you like nick um, shower gel, little shower gels and stuff like that? I mean, uh, I'd never admit it. Some people might drug the cleaner and take the clothes before they leave. <laughs> some people to, might. It's been known to happen. <laughs> if, they're, if they're that way inclined, some people might. I was a little Wait, bit do you late. still get into the vents? I very so I get, no, of course I get into the vents. Of course I get into the vents. Yeah, you got to, haven't you? I'm not going to get the vents in my own outfit. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to drug the cleaner first, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's your M.O. <laughs> So yeah, I was going to say I'd be a little bit late because I just invited you to this meeting. And then as mm-hmm. I was waiting for you to come on, I thought, I'll go and do the washing up. Do you think that was a good idea? No. Why would you do that? That's a stupid idea. Why did you? Are you, like you a got OCD? A little test from yourself. What, Can I do it? You could Can do I do it, it in time? When I come back, will he be waiting? Yes, and you always make us wait, don't you? That's the thing with you, Cliff. You always make us wait. It's disgraceful. Absolutely. <laughs> Tweeting mean. Mean. Keeping keys. That's what you need to do, is it? I I did notice something that happened this week. Obviously, I talked about the stolen joke that Mika Richard stole last week that you gave to Well, Uh you actually cut a joke out last week, right? Yeah, you did. And it was one of yours. You did. You did. And Lee Hurst used it in his Twitter this week. (laughs) 
But I'm, so trying, I'm trying to keep that quiet, man. The, the only other thing, um, I, I was uh, looking on Twitter, and one of so a person who follows what on Twitter was was putting their life, their very life on Twitter. This okay, what happened? Week. Um, so I, I've got the, a couple of tweets for you, which I think you'll enjoy, because you, you like delving into the lives of other people, don't mm-hmm. you, Cliff? I do, very much so. Now, I think this lady might expose her flesh on OnlyFans, <laughs> okay. but it, that's that's absolutely fine by me. If I could do that, I would. And I'm sure you would, wouldn't you, Cliff? Yes. Don't even of course you would, on yeah. OnlyFans. So the first tweet is this, right? Going out on a date tonight, not that keen on him, but hoping he's much better company in person. <laughs> what do you think of that? I think it's a bit harsh. I also think it's, it's mad that the, I, I presume this harsh. is a joke and not real. But I also think it's real. It's uh, real. You know, like if you're dating somebody that you've met online, uh-huh. you're going to meet somebody. Do you not think they're going to say yeah. that? Exactly. You don't <laughs> think they're following her? What's going on here? So how, I'll get. How do you think this is going to end? This particular date. Do you think she has high hopes of it? Do you think that the man's got any chance? I think it's probably not real, even though you're reading out what was really tweeted. Um, and I think he Why? probably made a play for her, but she she knocked him back in the end because it wasn't really what she was after. Right. Well, three hours later, we'll have. Well, the guy I went on a date with on Monday has just messaged me to say he doesn't want to meet up again. Kind of relieved, as I could see, we were not going to match up sexually. But he was a laugh and a nice guy. You win some, you lose some. That's that's the reply there. So that's the perils of online dating, isn't it, Cliff? <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody need to know either of those things? <laughs> <laughs> what the perils and the Twitter messages, hand in hand. Like I'm, I'm, I'm about, just trying I'm to, about to go out with somebody. Then three days later, I got a message off him saying he doesn't need us. Well, I didn't want to see him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. Okay. Nobody, <laughs> absolutely nobody cared. <laughs> Uh, how can you tell that you're not going to match up with anybody sexually? Surely you just get what you can take. <laughs> <laughs> also, you ever know, it might surprise you. This lady might end up having sex with this man. Right. I'm going to say and it's it could a, be fine. a heteronormative be... relationship. I'm not sure of the ins and outs or outs and outs, whatever I think, it I is. Think, I think it is. I think it is. Um, She might be like, oh, he's all right. He's a nice guy. And, you know, I, I quite... I would quite like some sex, even though I'm not that attracted to him. Let's see what happens. And he might surprise uh-huh. her. He might, he might rear exactly. up and she might be pleasantly he, surprised. He, he might have an enormous knob. Uh-huh. Now, she wouldn't know that, would she? Unless they've been doing like the pictures and stuff that no. people do. Um, well, she Who wouldn't knows? be able to tell these uh, skills in the Cunnaluangus department. Of course. <laughs> exactly. You see, that, that's, that's just like you, that, isn't it? Because you, everyone knows you're an expert. You don't look the next no, <laughs> Nobody might. <laughs> think is, Fred, nobody would think it. We are going to get a guest on. Mm-hmm. Is a really, really good friend of mine. You've never met him before. He's a guy called Mark Dinning. Uh, Mark was uh, my, uh, I'm going to say the word mentor, even though that's a bit wanky. Uh, when I first mm-hmm. moved out here, he came the same time. It was him who did me interview and stuff. Um, and then he came just a, a couple of weeks before us. And then we were both here. So we both got used to Dubai at the same time and work at the same time. And he ended up being my boss. And he, was, he is one of the best guys I've ever 
met, worked for, been friends with, and certainly one of the main people who's ever helped me in my career, certainly moving into magazines, which I'd never done before I got here. Um, but on top of that, he's a brilliant bloke. And, you know, I met him, so you're going to find out. I hope you think yeah. I'm telling the truth. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what he but is, There was one mistake that you made, right? What? Because we all know that you have been in other magazines. <laughs> many... I've looked in them. Um, no, you've been in them. I've been in looking. Yes, you're right. Um, so, yeah, uh, before he came to work here he was the global editorial director of empire magazine the film magazine mm -hmm. uh, which means he's got some amazing stories about film stars and being on sets of films and stuff like that most of which there's no way he can tell us that we can put on this podcast because <laughs> they're outrageous um but I, I would imagine this won't be the last time you'll be on and hopefully he can tell us a couple of stories along the way. But he chose this week's film. I'm going to invite him in right now because he's in the waiting room. And then mm -hmm. uh, we'll say hello and we'll get on with what we're going to talk about. Hello. Hi. Hello, Mark. Mark, how are you doing? Uh, hello. How Hang on, I've got a button. Hang on. There you, go. you have got a button. Yes. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. <laughs> Mark, this is Brett. You've never met, but meet. Hello. Brett, nice to meet you, Mark. Nice to meet you too. It's an honour to meet you. I've been listening to you guys since episode one, so I'm um, I'm a bit nervous actually. It's great yeah. to meet you. Really yeah. great to meet you. Oh, thanks very much, you too. I'm sure, sure you're not, and there's definitely no need to be. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a lie! What a lie to start <laughs> off. With, <Mark. laughs> um, what I didn't say, I gave you a bit of a, I bigged you up a little bit there before you came on, not so you could hear, but you know. Um, but what I didn't say was that Fantastic. you're the worst person at technology I've ever met in my life. So it's an absolute <laughs> miracle if this works. Uh, so let's crack on before we find out. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm on I'm on Insta now and everything. I know, I, I know. When I in knew fact, before in Dubai. You are, uh, I would say you're an active Insta user. <laughs> <laughs> I've never Not used good. it, mate. I don't, know, I don't know how to use it. Is it just pictures? Is that all it is? Basically, yeah. It's yeah. quite it's quite stressful actually because you find yourself thinking, oh, I should insta something today, which is never uh -huh. not a phrase I've ever thought I'd uh, hear myself <laughs> say. But so I, if in fact, yeah, just don't do it. You're way better off not being on Insta. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, I know every week I point out something in your backdrop, but yes. your floor what is it this week? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm currently suffering a subsidence. <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm waiting for the joiner. <laughs> Why is it wonky? Why did you have to bring up me wonky house? <laughs> Leave it alone, man. In case you didn't realise. Um, right. Mark, thank you for joining us. It's a real pleasure. I know you said you're nervous, but the pleasure is definitely all ours. Um, you just uh, asked us to watch a film this week. You chose what we're going to talk about. Do you want to tell us what it is and why? Yeah, sure. So this is a film that's so a film called The Changeling from 1980, directed by a guy called Peter Medic. And I really I chose it because I think, Brett, you and I share quite similar tastes, I think, having listened to this podcast for a long time now. Yeah. I'm a massive Carpenter fan. I love my horror. Yeah. But, there were, but there were only two movies I've ever had to fast forward through that, uh -huh. for little, little bits because I've been so scared. One is The Shining. And for obvious reasons, it's terrifying. And the other one yeah. is this. And uh -huh. it was really interesting. I'd not watched this movie for 
I don't know, maybe 20 years or something before this. And, it, and I write a massive list of what could we talk, what would I want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remembered this. And I remember the, the two bits I had to fast forward through. And it was great to watch them. And I'm a big boy now, so I didn't fast forward through this stuff. <laughs> but, they, but they still really gave me the willies. Um, so, in, so if you want me to explain a little bit about it, it's so it's a movie starring George C. Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very simple story, really. At least it starts that way. He is a composer. His wife and child are tragically mown down on a snowy, very kind of shining-like uh, road just outside mm-hmm. upstate New York. And he, grieving, go, moves to Seattle um, and moves into this <laughs> ridiculously massive, <laughs> spooky house for a single man grieving. But but the reason he does, the estate agent tells us, is because he has a music room and he's yeah. a composer. Mm-hmm. So she thought it was a good fit. And he moves into this house and spooky things begin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I had never heard of it even. Um, I thought you were asking us to watch an Angelina Jolie film, uh, but it turned out not to be the case. Um, so Thank yeah. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, it put me in mind of The Shining. You said like they were the two films that you were a bit like scared of or that made you have the similar feelings. And it, the pace of it, uh, certainly at first, or certainly The Shining at first. I think The Shining goes off into places. This one do- doesn't get anywhere near. But um, certainly the pace of it at the beginning. And I think that opening sequence with the car in the snowy road just puts you in the same position as you would be with with The Shining as well. Um, but then it goes a lot more genteel after that, which I wasn't really expecting. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, like we've said a couple of times now that I was never traditionally a big horror fan. It's a genre I'm discovering anew, really. I've never, I've seen a handful of horror films. I'm learning and watching more as we go on and I'm getting a little bit more brave every week as we we watch the film. (laughs) And um, I was surprised because I didn't find this that scary. Certainly very spooky. Certainly an eerie feeling that ran through it. And I have to admit, I had goosebumps watching a lot of the scenes as they unfolded. But there was no bit where I was kind of hands over my eyes or I was wincing a bit, which is quite unlike me. So I don't know whether that's just because it's not quite as scary as you originally remember, or I'm just a bit more Mm. used to horrors now. But Brett, what do you think? I think uh, uh, very similar to you, actually, apart from the, the film that I got from, it was actually The Exorcist. That's what I thought mm-hmm. that's, it was similar to. Um, I mean, obviously, both classic horror films and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I was very similar. I think if I had have watched it when I was younger, I would have been absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. really, really spooky, but I, I absolutely loved the film. I thought it was excellent. I mean, the way it's made and shot and stuff like that, is just absolutely amazing. It did remind us of like the shop sometimes in, in like the shining and stuff like that, but more so the way it looked, probably because like 70s, I think it was 78 was made and then it was released in 80 or something like that. So uh, yeah, it was more, more the exorcist for me, but yeah, excellent. The one thing I couldn't get, why couldn't you get out the phone box? At the start? <laughs> <laughs> How can you get trapped in a phone box? <laughs> He's pushing the wrong way on it. That's not what it is. He's, he's in, in such panic. a flat. He's yeah. in such a flat. I do, I, do, I do love the bit at the very start. So his wife's pushing the car, which will ultimately get mown down in about two minutes' yeah. time. And I, I'd not realised the line. They're having a kind of a, 
a faux argument because mm. the car's broken down. Mm-hmm. And she says, this is the last holiday I'm ever going to go on with you. Somewhat <laughs> kind of, unfortunately, <laughs> it turns out to be very true. Um, I, I, I know what you mean. The, the other movie it really reminds me of is Don't Look Now, which is mm-hmm. another movie I love. Yeah. Just in terms of its, uh-huh. I guess what it is, it's obviously it's a study of grief. It's a guy mm-hmm. grieving his lost kid and also wife in this. But also it becomes a sort of a, a murder mystery. He's going, up, you know, yeah. You know, whereas Donald Sutherland kind of mooches around Venice a bit mm-hmm. and, and occasionally the little thing in the red map runs past. This yeah. is, he's, he's properly kind of going to investigate what's happened here, who yeah. who this uh-huh. presence is in the house. And I, yeah. I, I really like that about it. I think that's uh-huh. good. I think... I think if it wasn't for George C. Scott, this film wouldn't have the same uh, effect. The gravitas that he brings to the his performance in the film, I, I think by far and away, he makes it for me. His performance is superb. I've read a couple of reviews. Maybe our old friend uh, Roger Ebert. Uh, oh, a not of, him. A couple of uh, contemporaneous <laughs> reviews that kind of say. Well, he's a bit like kind of flat. Like, why is he being like this? But he's a man numb mm-hmm. with grief. The, yeah. the house—it's got about a hundred rooms. Why? He's, why <laughs> does he need this house? It's, it, but it's one of those classic things. Yeah, I mean, don't go in the basement. Don't go in the <laughs> loft. Don't go. Like, don't close that door behind you or whatever. You know that, that yeah. light's not working in the basement. Well, you know what? Probably just wait until it's fixed before you, or daylight before you go down it. It's like he has this massively spooky house that no nobody's lived here since the the terrible times of whatever. And he's like, I'll take it because there's a piano in it. Yeah, <laughs> so I think it, it's one of those things. But it, obviously, yeah. it's there for a reason, and apparently uh-huh. based on a true story or what somebody says was real. That's that's true. Apparently, the thing that I liked about it, right? I, I, I mean, obviously, we've got the start and stuff like that. I like the fact whenever he, he wasn't in the house, so whenever he was outside, ev- everything looked massive, right? So, like, it was everything was he was taking too much on too early type thing. So, like, an example of that is when he's teaching and he, he plays the piano because he's a famous composer or whatever, and he's teaching, he's expecting like a, a few students around the place or whatever, and the room is just full, massively yeah, yeah, full yeah. of yeah. students. And, and I think like a, a metaphor for like, he's taking too much on, too yeah. early type thing. And whenever he's sort of, there's like exterior shots, it's like massive, absolutely huge. I think there's one in New York, there's that mm-hmm. like famous building um, the triangular type building in, in New York or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it looks huge. You can see like cars going past, people walking along the street. Everything's just so huge and massive. And then when it goes into the house, everything's whoop, even though it's a big house. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you get the impression that it's a big sort of area, but he's always just either sitting on the piano or talking to, you know, one of the servants or whatever, the gardener and stuff like that. Yeah. We can talk about the director a bit, like this. What what a CV this man has. But uh, what about the, like is the cinematographer somebody famous or, or any stuff? Do you know anything else about the, the rest of the crew? Do, do you know what I don't like? I, so it's it's one of these movies where it's got a lot of very famous fans. So mm-hmm. it's Mar- Martin Scorsese and Spielberg have both got thirty five mil prints of this mm-hmm. in their house. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, you can see the influence of it in stuff like um, Alejandro Amenabar's The Others, yep. which actually, which actually, Peter Medic, the director, doesn't speak too fondly of. No, I, I read he... a couple of bits about that. He's uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty scathing of it. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it was intended as an homage to, but I, I, I but I think he felt it blurred the lines of homage. <laughs> I think I think it's where he's coming from. But also people like Guillermo del Toro, and yeah, they're they're big fans of this movie. But no, yeah. in terms of the the Medic thing, I mean, he's a like you say, he's. I mean, his CV is best described as what eclectic. I love. <laughs> I love how. I love how from TV he's gone from heart to heart, which is a show I used to love as a kid. But like literally yeah. the most innocuous show to the wire. But yeah. he does these kind of like incre- incredible kind of jumps. But he, I think, came into the movie late. I think he okay. was the third director to come into this. Oh, okay, okay. Had... yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's true. You've missed, you've missed out Species too. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. say how, the film. How could I? The cra- the craze, and Species Two is directed, uh, but he's, so his his cinema career is very eclectic. But if you look at his TV work, he's worked on directed episodes Massive of pretty much stuff, all yeah. of the biggest TV shows of, or a lot of them, Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, House, The Wire, um, even Homicide Life on the Street, if you didn't yes. recognise that. And um, Tales from the Crypt as well, which we were talking about la- mm-hmm. last week. The weird thing for me was uh, I was watching a documentary recently about the craze. It was like a three-part documentary that was on uh, the ITV play or whatever. And this he was on it because he did the craze as well. So he was he was actually talking about that and he was like, the craze just turned up one time when he was doing a film or whatever and just went, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Have you got permission? And he was like, yeah, I've got permission, you know. I've got permission from the council and everything else. You haven't got permission from us. So the craze just turned up because they were in their manor or whatever and they want to know what was going on. And as soon as like they found out he was a film director, he was making a film, oh, well, that's fine because the craze were all about being famous and everything, weren't they? Uh-huh. And the craze kind of looked after everything and took over everything. So yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. That's great. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a fascinating guy. Like like you say, Paul. He's like, yeah, he's a Hungarian guy. But then I was I don't know much about him. But he's about reading up on him today. He's like, so he was a first aid. So he arrived from Hungary and then he kind of worked his way up as a first, well, like a third, a second, then a first AD. But for yeah. people like. So it's Carol Reed, who obviously did The Third Man, David Lean, who we know very well, Anthony Asquith, you know, working stuff like Pygmalion. And also, just as an aside, I hadn't realised Anthony Asquith directed the movie Fanny by Gaslight, which is okay. kind of how I, u- I used to consume pornography. But, I, but, I, <laughs> but, but actually, it turns out to be a James Mason, a James Mason movie from 1944. What um, a disappointment. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I take but a very dim view of actions like that. <laughs> <laughs> but he kind of he learned from the best. And then what was the, an interesting story I, I didn't know was that he'd actually gone for an interview with Robert Wise, who obviously direct famously directed The Haunting, one of the greatest ghost stories ever made. And yeah. he didn't he didn't get the gig, but he'd gone down to be interviewed on the set of The Haunting. Mm-hmm. So he he kind of got told thanks but no thanks, but then kind of hung around and got to watch him shoot a couple of scenes from The Haunting, which obviously kind of, you know, you would hope and imagine sort of inspired some of the stuff he did here. So he's yeah. got this, even though he's done like this, 
bizarre amount of just weird, often crap mm-hmm. movies. He's a guy who knows what he's doing, you know, and he grew yeah. up watching the best of the best. So he's a, yeah. he's a fascinating character. I think the thing with directors sometimes is it, it depends what they offer. Do you know what I mean? If, if nobody's offering them stuff, they've got to work, haven't they? At the end of the day, they've got to, they've got to make a living and things. And I mean, I, I love the atmosphere of this film and like the stuff I talked about before. I think that's absolutely amazing. The story and stuff like that is great because it's like a mystery, like you said. Um, but yeah, it, it depends what you're offered. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so yeah, he's so he's moved into the house, and at six a.m. every morning, he's woken by this horrible banging uh, that he just doesn't know. He has no explanation for. Is it something in the pipes? He doesn't know. And this goes on and on, and he calls in uh, a medium. And there's a great shot. It's funny you mentioned Brett about the how tight the shots are inside. One of my favourite shots in the movie is so this medium arrives. And she she kind of straight away knows that this presence has come from the attic. Mm-hmm. So while everyone's kind of mooching around making pre-seance small talk, she's yeah. heads up, she heads up to the attic. And there's a beautiful shot down from where the ghost lives, mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. at her onto the bottom stairs. And it's really tight. And she just shuts the door yeah. and goes back downstairs. And you kind of you assume she she's quite intimidated by this spirit yeah. so she she begins this seance and what's so brilliant about this and what the certainly spielberg has spoken about so spielberg screened this movie to the crew when they're about to make poltergeist so there was a poltergeist obviously a very famously troubled shoot toby hooper started doing it and then it went in different yeah. ways and spielberg became more of more involved or less involved depending on who you hear but mm-hmm. um but he screened it to the crew it's like this is the kind of vibe i'm going for and this was the scene that did it and, and basically so they have a seance george c scott and assorted others there's the there's the lady who we must talk about the lady uh trish uh van der veer who's who's mm-hmm. who's so clearly fancies him from the first second she's enters the movie but anyway, anyway well, so it's, it's George she's got this woman who keeps turning up in jodhpurs to sort of entice him um, and, uh, and there's the there's the uh, medium and there's the medium's husband and there's someone else there but I can't remember who the other person is but there's um there's it all there's the me- it's Trish's mum yeah 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 because they meet odd. as the, I suppose it's a numbers thing. Do you, is there like a minimum requirement for a seance? Hopefully it's more than three. You've got to create a circle of some sort. That's what I'd say. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise they yeah. end up in a rectangle and it's just not going to work. They do this seance. And the fifth person, the fifth spoke in this, is the medium's husband, who's, whose sole job really is to feed her sheets of blank A4 paper. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the medium, the actress... And I, I forget her name, but who nails who does the medium? It's, yeah. it's just extraordinary. And she she sort of says, "Oh, you know, can you hear us? You know, yeah. talk to us, reach out, reach out." And she sort of zones totally out, and then she w- writes wildly with a pencil mm-hmm. as uh-huh. her husband feeds her sheets of blank A4 paper, and occasionally a word will come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just kind of builds in intensity. Yeah, it does. And it's, just, it's just really freaky. But then uh-huh. what 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 makes the seance so good is that it and what Spielberg has said he loves so much about it is just when you think all that's done and the seance ends and everyone goes home, you then have it happen all again as George C. Scott sits down on his own mm-hmm. in this spooky house to listen to the recording of what yeah. happened. 
Yeah, and, that's right. And yeah. He hears the ghost's voice on the mm. tape as it plays. Mm-hmm. And it's that double kind of kicker role. Right? And you, you don't realize it. You think he's making notes, but what you find out later when Trish comes back, and that's not her character name, but when she comes back, um, he goes, Look, I wrote down this stuff. <laughs> I think that, that's my favorite scene in the film, the seance bit, like the, the way it just ramps up and ramps up. I, I just love it. It's absolutely brilliant. And I love the guy sitting next to her who's just like, Snatching the the paper away mm. when she's finished with the drug, yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I love him. Well, here, but here's a but here's a question because this is something I'd not considered, and I I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Was so you say he's there for for inspiration, etc. There's another mm-hmm. theory that I'd never considered, but that I I stumbled across online, which is that yeah. that this the boy the ghost has mm-hmm. deliberately got George C. Scott to the house. And there's even a suggestion yes. that the ghost has killed the wife and daughter in the very first place. Yeah. Just to get George C. Scott down, which is something I'd never considered. I just thought uh-huh. this is happening and George C. Scott What's is here. What's the radius well, of the ghost's jurisdiction? Well, the thing is, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, there is a detective at one point who starts trying to put off George C. Scott from sort of investigating the mm. centre who I haven't really talked about yet. Um, and he dies mysteriously in a car, in a car crash, doesn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, he, so that's fair enough. It Almost like it, this ghost does have external powers um, and can sort of affect other things, you know? So I think that's where that comes from, that, you know, possibly because the ghost has done that, then... You know, it could it, he could have drawn George Gaysart in. Why he would pick on good old George, I'm not oh. too sure. What do you think about? Wasn't the recluse composer? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in New York. <laughs> Couldn't he get a different one? Just talking about the procedural thing, just quickly because it popped into my head. What occurred to me watching it the other day was how Robert Zemeckis must have been. We mentioned all the famous directors who were influenced by it. It's so What uh-huh. Lies Beneath, which I also love mm-hmm. as a yeah, movie, the Harrison that. Ford Michelle Pfeiffer, is mm-hmm. so clearly inspired by this from mm-hmm. the murders in the bath. Yeah. From the, there's a great scene with them going through all the tapes, the old newspaper yeah. cuttings mm-hmm. in this and What Lies Beneath. And I and I like them both for the same reason, actually, is that yeah, yeah they, they just they are kind of procedurals in a way. They're mm-hmm. they're haunted uh-huh. house movies that become procedurals. But where mm-hmm. the go where the ghost in what lies beneath seems kind of satisfied by Michelle Pfeiffer's work in Solving <laughs> Murder. This this fella, it's not he, the case. He, he can do the He's, He goes mad when George C. Scott yeah. stands up. And George C. Scott, I love it. He's like, what, what have I got to do? What, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. What, what That's the fuck do you want? That is a good bit when he walks in the front door. That seems to be the aim, doesn't it? The, the ghost whole aim is to discover this conspiracy that he's been killed by his father and replaced by another person, hence the changeling, t- the title. He's been replaced. Um, and George D. Scott's investigated this to appease the ghost or whatever, because he <laughs> thinks that that's what he should do. But when he does eventually do that and uncover everything, the ghost just loses his shit and sets everything <laughs> on fire, especially banisters. <laughs> but I, I, I love that bit because... You would expect the film to go in that direction where it's, yes, everything's fine. He's done his job now, but it just goes in the complete opposite direction, doesn't it? Like, no, I'm still not happy. I'm fucking dead. I'm pissed (laughs) off that I'm dead. 
<laughs> Do you know, know what uh, I mean? <laughs> it's a very convoluted plot. Kind of I think it plot. needs that, though. That's what I think. I think it needs it for the investigative kind of aspect of it. You know what I mean? I know, but there's the, a, the, a, the, a goes lot for a of well and stuff like that. There, is, there, is, there is needed to but make people understand like, what's going on. <laughs> it's I, like, I like that it's, side of it. It's a lot to take in. Yeah. So he's killed. Yeah. This kid was a bit sick. So he killed him, but the reason he's killed a him because if he, if he died, <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he died before this age, he wouldn't get the inheritance. But, but talking of all of that, this, as, and as much as I love this movie, this did also occur to me. Yeah, it's a massively convoluted political plot that's mm-hmm. been hatched. I'm not quite sure how this six-year-old boy, who's also, by the way, dead, has happened <laughs> to figure this out. So he, he knows he everything died. that's gone on. What is he it? Died he's died before, before the doppelgangers come in. Yeah, the change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how, how has he discovered it? And, and the doppelganger. Perhaps he's never, had the assistance of Columbo. But the doppelganger <laughs> never went to the house. So they abandoned the house ago. We've killed him up there. We've abandoned it. And we'll just start our new life when he comes back. The thing the thing is, ultimately, about this film, right? There's, there's no winners whatsoever. Everybody's a loser, aren't there? Because the senator guy, he didn't ask to be plucked from an orphanage. And, <laughs> did he? But, but at the end of the film... He's he's given a heart attack by a picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no winners. George C. Scott, he investigates everything, tries to find everything out. He's almost set on fire by a banister. I tell you what, I don't understand about George C. Scott is that like he doesn't go fucking hell. I better get. I'll just get out of this house then because I don't really need to be here. And we mates have already yeah. offered to put us up, so I'll just go to their house. He's like because right, well because like Mark see. said right. The lady in the jumpers coming around. I mean, why would you give that up? <laughs> and and you, you, you get an inspiration for a new composition. But uh, what do you think of George C. Scott, Mark? I think he's great. I mean, I think he's a he's a, um, a clearly was a difficult man. I think he's probably yeah. the, best, the best way to put it. Um, uh-huh. um, but he's, I mean, as an actor, he's incredible. Obviously, that famously Oscar nominated. I don't know what. Two, three times famous. Patton, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, he was the first actor ever to turn down the Oscar for Patton. So he didn't turn uh-huh. up because he thought the whole thing was a, I can't remember there was a quote, he, he called it a meat market or something. He was like, I'm not going yeah. to that kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. He clearly wasn't very nice to uh, women. He uh-huh. had a big problem with drink. Um, mm-hmm. And and actually, and, and so, yeah, I mean, as a, as a man, I think he was clearly a troubled man as an actor. Yeah. As an actor, he's incredible. I think I think what's kind of interesting with, with his performance in this is, and honestly, maybe he should have overplayed it a bit more, is that presumably the reason he's staying in the house, whereas all the rest of us would have gone, thanks very much, I'll go and get another house, yeah. is because you would imagine he, if you believe that there's a possibility of life beyond death and you've just lost your beloved wife and daughter... Mm-hmm. then maybe that's why you would want to stay and invest. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But, but the film never really goes there. No. And it's kind of, I think, part maybe of his performance where he's kind of gone, and by this stage in his career, I think, to be honest, he was kind of phoning it in a bit. But I don't think mm-hmm. he is in this movie, but I think he was kind of, he was sort of underplaying stuff. You know, he was yeah. He was in The Hustler before and Dr. Strangelove and Anatomy mm-hmm. and Murder. Like, he was in amazing movies. Mm-hmm. Um 
So I think his performance, what I like about it is that his performance is so dialed back. And it's yeah, and they all in haunted house movies, they always stay in the house. Yeah. And it's increase, it's increasingly stupid. So what yeah. I quite like about him is he stays in the house because he's not really that intimidated. He's not bothered. That's um, the thing. He just mm-hmm. he's not, he's, yeah. gets on with it. Yeah. And he's like, actually, yeah. I'll go and dig up another house and see if there's any ghosts <laughs> in there. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about him for me is, and people might argue about this, he's the greatest Scrooge. That's what I think. <laughs> I fucking love that Scrooge fella. There's only one thing for it. There's only one thing for it. Welcome back after a little break, although you guys won't know that there was a break. Um, so we were just <laughs> talking about basically George C. Scott, troubled man, great performance. Um, uh, there was a couple of reviews that kind of said he was dialing, he was phoning it in. Um, it's certainly a very dialed back performance, and I can understand some criticism of that. Certainly, when you say, you know, the usual way of these characters would be to totally freak out and lose their shit, where he never does that. He just gets stuck in and trying to uh, solve Good. the, the mad mystery that is going on. Um, it's refreshing. What, I think what I wanted to ask Mark was after all of these years, you loved it, you were terrified of it. What did you actually think of it now that you, you watched it again? Was it as terrifying as I remember it? No. I still, I still love it. Um, being honest, I thought that I thought the, I mean, really, from the word like the, fo- it's very derivative from the word go, really. But it's hard, like you were saying, Brett, to figure out which came first. So when yeah. it first comes, even from the fonts, like the mm-hmm. font mm-hmm. is the Exorcist font. <laughs> like, I don't know who yeah. made that font, but they should be charging for it because it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, we're in the Exorcist font mode. Uh, although, to be fair, he's, maybe that's why he's in Exorcist 3. Maybe they just called it in and said, listen, you've got to pay off. I don't know. Although maybe. It, does that, it does have that amazing shot in Exorcist 3, but I, yeah. I thought it... I the thought jump it's, scare. The greatest oh, the jump, jump scare. scare. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's just unbelievable, deep. that. Absolutely yeah. unbelievable. It just, it still gives me the willies now. Brilliant. Yeah, Absolutely brilliant. Um, but it, yeah, I thought it starts, it starts a bit clunky. I think that I still think the beginning is magnificent. It's what a way into the movie. It's just a, it's an absolute kind of punch in the gut. I, th- I thought it was then very clunky when Trish, so Trish turns up and, it, and she's just really quite sort of stalkery. And she just keeps yeah. saying all the time, <laughs> I, I, I'm from the historical society. And she, said, yeah. she, says, she says to him, I've tried to get your number. But they haven't mm-hmm. listened to it yet. But anyway, I'm here now. And then she turns up the next day and goes, oh, I'm in my jumpers. So it's quite, it takes a while to get going. Yeah. The, is it as scary as I remember? No. Um, but the, I think the seance scene is still magnificent. I also yeah. still, I think the scene where he uncovers the hidden room is still magnificent. And mm-hmm. I think the, mm-hmm. I think the sound design, appropriately for a movie about a composer, the sound design yep. in this, although to modern audiences it may feel like oh, we've kind of been here, done that. Um, back when I watched it, I, I still think the sound is just incredible. Like mm. you know, it's it's, it's got that very yeah. omeny, omeny kind of um, mm-hmm. sort of religious uh, vibe to the, the music of it. But the sound design is great. And I mm-hmm. said when he's when he uncovers the room and just you can hear the wind whistling through yep. as he's pulling the planks off and stuff. Um, uh-huh. I, I still really enjoyed it, and there was loads I hadn't remembered really. I hadn't remembered all the detail about the kind of the evil senator. I hadn't remembered actually how good 
the very ending is. I'd remembered the silly bit where the, the ghostly wheelchair is kind of chasing everyone around. Yeah. And you're kind of like, yeah, they, yeah. okay, this is a yeah. little daft. Um, but, but actually the very final moments where the house oh. is burning, because mm-hmm. that house was a real set. So yeah. it was a real set built on three floors. And actually I completely, I'd not appreciated it, Brett, how tight the shots are but then at the yeah. end when kind of everything goes to shit the camera does kind of pan out and you see yeah, it, it opens come, up it comes down the staircase mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and that set allows them to do that so i so there's I, I really i loved watching it again for this because i'd not it kind of delivered still what i remembered in my head and there were uh-huh. plenty of clunky bits as well but it also yeah. reminded it, it reminded me of stuff i'd forgotten like i say how good that that final scene where he's tra- walking up the staircase and the wind's blowing him back. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really great. great. I think that's one of the things that Mark mentioned that I hadn't fully joined the dots on is that, yes, I'm aware that his kid and his wife have died and he keeps seeing these, you know, he goes to his friend's house and the girl comes in and he, it looks like his daughter. And there's all of yeah. these instances and, you know, the the woman comes in, it looks like his wife. It's like those things uh-huh. that they don't they don't build on it. They don't really go there with it. And this uh-huh. bit about, well, does he think it's his daughter coming back to see him? And the, the ball plays a massive part of that. Um, or is it just the malevolent ghost who's trying to get his attention just so he can solve this murder? But yeah, I think until you mentioned it, Mark, I hadn't really appreciated that. There's that element to it where he's obviously thinking, the first time the ball comes, his daughter's ball that appears, he must be thinking, shit, the ghost of my daughter's here. That must be what yeah. he's thinking. But then yeah. it yeah. doesn't, it just, that never materializes and it's something <laughs> else completely. But the ball, Brett, scary ball. Ball is absolutely massive. I mean, Mark mentioned the others. That's a very similar scene in the others, I think, isn't there? With, with a ball and stuff like that. But it's just been copied so many times and i'm sure this must have been the first time that it was uh it was used in a film and stuff and i think there's even one part where it's like wet to, to you know to, because obviously the, the kid's been in the bath and stuff mm-hmm. like that so like the, the attention to detail is like massive i mean I, I, to be honest after what conversation i'd like to watch it again yeah I you know what so. I mean? yeah yeah I there's, there's loads of stuff that i've missed here yeah. And I haven't appreciated that. That's what I think. So it's got you. You can watch it again and and kind of miss stuff. You can take it on face value and think, well, like Mark says, it, it's a it's a procedural in certain places, and it's a it's a ghost story, and that's it. That's I, I think there's more going on. I think if you watch it again, especially after us us three have just discussed it. Do you know what I mean? I think there's more going on there for sure. And I think that's why these uh, massive directors, Spielberg, Scorsese and stuff like that, appreciate it. Obviously, the, the, the scary bits, the, the, the seance bit and things like that, which mm-hmm. is just wonderful. But I, I, I love films like that personally. There's the, there's the famous ball bit in The Shining as well. And I, Brett, yeah, it's, that's, it's, yeah. it's interesting you say this was shot in 78. Mm-hmm. So, because The Shining came out in 80 as well. So maybe maybe this did it first but it's the yeah. parallels between this and the shining there's loads of them aren't there and the and the ball bit in the in the shining well, he's, on the, he's on the trike isn't he and the twins he's are sat, there he's that's sat the part the, isn't it i think he's sat on the carpet and there's a mm-hmm. and the oh yes the carpet, that's it and yeah. the carpet have you guys seen room 237 yeah yes yeah, yeah really good oh, i like that amazing amazing i, I love that movie and that's uh-huh. 
yeah, that shows that when the yeah when the ball comes in, the pattern is open, and when mm-hmm. he picks it up, the pattern closed on the carpet. Yeah, closed, all this uh-huh. kind of crazy shit. But yeah, yeah, I couldn't figure out who had done what first. Like I remember uh-huh. the ball from The Shining. To yeah. be honest with you, more than I remember the one from The Changing. But then I watched The Changing again. I sort of think actually, I right. think this did it first. You know, it's a Canadian uh-huh. movie. There was a big deal in its home country. It won. What, I think they're called the genies or something. Whatever yeah, the Canadian genies, it won all of are. the genies. It, it, it won all yeah. of them. Like you know, it was a big hit, but it came to the states and no one was uh-huh. that bothered. Presumably because they were exorcisted out, or they, <laughs> they, 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 they were the shining out, and along came another one. And yeah, actually, I think it kind of it sort of well, it hasn't really grown in stature. Like I say, the the the, the big director guys love it. Guillermo del Toro. You know, apparently, kind of almost accosted. He saw Peter Medica at a BAFTA event and kind of practically sort of jumped on him and said, mm-hmm. you're, "You're my hero. You're my hero." <laughs> you know, these these guys revere him. You know, yeah, and, and it's and it's bizarre you hear about. You know, this is the director yeah. of. Let's not forget Species Two. You know, <laughs> and, and Heart to Heart. Like you know, yeah. but these guys are falling over them. You know, so, <laughs> for, for him, so it's it's amazing, really. Do you think that there's like comparisons with Cart now with that type of? Thing as well because caught now obviously i mean me and you love him you mentioned him at the start i mean he's my favorite film director but he's never sort of regarded as a spielberg or you know he's, he's not in that league according to certain people because he's made like you know escape from mars and you know stuff <laughs> like that do you know what i mean yeah. so it's a, a yeah. similar type of thing but again with caught now after the thing and stuff like that he wasn't he, he took what he was offered basically and those films are even great after the thing I love all those films. In fact, but, I love but, all these films. But, but I wonder, apart from maybe, I'll tell you the one I think is poor, is Prince mm-hmm. of Darkness, which I watched yeah. the other day. And I, oh. I was just like, I was yeah, like, this, I like is, this, is, this is crap. <laughs> but, well, 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 but, I mean, but, I, but I love Carpenter. <laughs> but I think the Carpenter parallel is really valid because I think mm-hmm. in the same way that The Thing got killed by E.T., yeah. you know, E.T., everyone went mad for E.T., The Thing bombed. I kind of feel the same about the changing is people sort of thought, you know, they'd done with the thing in ET, they felt they'd done their yeah. alien on earth story and didn't <laughs> uh-huh. bother with the thing. Yeah. And, and and with and with the changing, they felt they'd done their I've paid my 10 bucks to well, it wouldn't mean 10 bucks by then, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've paid my dollars to see my haunted house movie. Thanks very mm-hmm. much. I'll move along. And I and I wonder if yeah. those guys, I mean, medics never. Been, and Carpenter is just consistently brilliant, I think, at what he does. And I yeah. know, you know, you go into a John Carpenter movie knowing what you're going to get in a way. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I know what real... you're going to see. Because the, the, yeah. the, the look the same, that's the thing about Carpenter. You know that it's a John Carpenter film because you're watching it. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's who's an um, auteur, right? That's, a, that's what auteurs yeah. do. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same with all of these you know, modern authors or, or, or older ones, they have the same look and feel, you know, it's their film. That's what makes them. And that's why they mm-hmm. have diehard yeah. fans rather than people that jump it in and out. Like this guy, look at this, the films he's directed. There's not, no two of them are the same. Like, that's why you, you don't have that following as a director, like the, like the likes of Scorsese and stuff do. But I, you mentioned Ghosts of Mars, which I yes. actually really, I, I really do you like it. I, I do really like it, but there's yeah. a, I'm sure there's a moment in it, and I think it it's Pam Greer's head, but I've got mm-hmm. a distinct, and I'm not even sure he's in it. It's Jason Satham's in it, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh-huh. And in my head, my abiding memory of Ghost of Mars is there's a 
shot of Jason Statham on the top of a hill uh-huh. and he picks up Pam Greer's severed head. <laughs> yes. and, and, and he's obviously like, you know, concerned about this. And I uh-huh. he, he radios back, he goes, we got a situation here. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Jason, you do <laughs> very much. But the, the thing is, the thing is that like the context of those films are, are so weird because John Cortner is just taking the piss out of Hollywood and himself and is, is from LA and Ghosts of Mars <laughs> and stuff like that. So there's a certain context that you need to look through. But I mean, I, I've got nearly all of these films on Blu-ray and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I, I actually liked Ghosts of Mars when it first came out. Yeah, because, me too. You know, I, I was a massive John Cortner fan. I'm going to have to revisit it. I'll tell you what, Mark. <laughs> You're going to come back on and we're going to do Ghost of Mars. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've never seen it, so we'll do that. I've got one one last thing I wanted to ask you guys is, do you know the movie? So, yeah, Trish Vanderveer is is George C. Scott's... Well, technically, she's his fifth wife. Right. But but only because he married Colleen Dewhurst twice. So, Uh actually, she's the fourth lady but the fifth wife. Do you guys know the movie that they met on? Well, I don't know. I'd never seen her in anything before, I don't think. It would be a guess. It would be. You're, you're cheating. It's a, it's a film I've never seen, but mm-hmm. I've always, always wanted to watch just for the tagline. Mm-hmm. So the, the film that they met on is The Day of the Dolphin. And the tagline of that... Have you guys seen The Day of the Dolphin? No. Do you know what? The it poster is. Now. Mark, Mark, I think I've done a quiz about this. Oh, have you? I, th- I think I have asked yeah, Cliff the very same question. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I think it's great, yes. isn't it? Go on, I'll let, I'll let you do it. I'll let well, you do well, it. Well, the, the, the tagline is unwittingly. This is that's the key word. <laughs> unwittingly. <laughs> unwittingly. Unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to kill the president of the United States. <laughs> yes. How good it. a tagline is that? He thought he was doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> he's, unlo- he's unwittingly done it. Yeah, yeah. He, thought, he thought he was convinced <laughs> to kill the president of Nigeria. And they just <laughs> flick the switch and he's gone to the United States instead. But in GPS for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Mike Nichols as well, that. I know, I know it's Mike Nichols. It's the most <laughs> mental film. It's Mike Nichols directs George C. Scott, who, and like I say I've never seen it, but yeah, I think yeah. he's a guy, he's a he's a scientist who is figuring out how to communicate with dolphins. And I think clearly uh-huh. they sort of stick a torpedo on a dolphin's back <laughs> and say, that way, that way, flipper. No, a bit left, a bit left. <laughs> and, and somehow beep, beep, the Russians get C-A. involved. <laughs> somehow yeah. the Russians get involved and, and hack the tech. <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful film amazing. that sounds amazing, amazing. Well, I haven't yeah. seen it but maybe it's time I'll dig that out can, oh, I, can I just tell Mark a story because uh, Cliff talks about you with incredibly high praise Mark and uh, oh, he well, tells me <laughs> he tells me all the stories that you tell him obviously we'll not repeat the one here but my wife got out of a disciplinary hearing by reciting one of your stories. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What yeah. I don't know. This. <laughs> well, yeah. What? What? <laughs> so she, was, she works for the, the NHS. She works for the NHS. Okay. She's the, the X-ray department and stuff like that. And she was she was off during the the, the, the COVID and stuff like that. And uh, I told her the story that, that Cliff... Uh, told me about Brad Pitt or whatever. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, she just d- completely diffused the situation by going <laughs> into the room with all, all of her bosses and just, just telling the whole story. <laughs> well, like, it's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everything's forgiven. <laughs> that is a, well, that is a, that is a true story. So I don't know what part he told that. you, but yeah, that was my that was my third date with my now wife. Yes, um, I think he embellished that it was the first. Date. I thought it was. Well, that's I thought it was. No, no, no. no. So, so it was date three. So obviously, it's the date where you're thinking, you know, I'm mm-hmm. getting some action here. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've got. I've, got I've, a... I've been here twice already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I took her and we went, yeah, it was a party in, um, so it was, a, it was the premiere of Kick-Ass and it was the, and I knew quite well the the director, Matthew Vaughan, who's a really nice guy and he, so he obviously used to produce sort of Guy Ritchie's old movies and stuff. So he yeah. was a British, British guy who kind of, we knew well from parties or whatever. And yeah, he said, he said, oh, come to the premiere and, and come to my house for an after party, bring a plus yeah. one. Which is uh, which is fucking unheard unheard of in yeah you, know, you never get that shit so I said so I said to Kaz like let's go to this and I knew who his wife was but Kaz didn't uh-huh. so we go and we go to the film which I love and Kaz yeah. loved I knew I knew she'd like it and we pull up at his house in I think it was like Notting Hill uh-huh. and his wife who is Claudia Schiffer answers the door and Schiffer's <laughs> massively she, right. She's like, hiya, come on in. Yeah. And Kaz is like, fucking, is that Claudia Schiffer? And, like, <laughs> and then we go down and it's and it's in it's in his basement. Well, the party's kind of all over, but the bar yeah. is in the basement. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, take that's there who Kaz loves. So she was like, fucking hell, take that. And all these, I'm trying to remember all the people, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh yeah, well, all the kick-ass people there and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh-huh. And then in the, then in the corner, these this guy in a fucking beanie hat, but he was in his kind of like weasel phase. He had this horrible beard. And yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we, we went and she went, you have to, you have to make me meet Brad Pitt. So I kind uh-huh. of went over and went, oh, and God love, God love Matthew Vaughan for this. Uh-huh. He, said, he went, because it was just him and Brad Pitt stood there. So I took Paz over and uh-huh. God love him. Matthew Vaughan uh-huh. went, oh, Brad, this is Mark. He's the editor of Empire magazine. And God uh-huh. love Brad Pitt for this. He went, man, it's my favourite fucking magazine. When we were, when me and <laughs> when me and Quentin were making Inglorious Bastards, <laughs> it's all we read on set. And I, like, <laughs> and, I, and obviously, I'm trying to get laid, so I'm like, <laughs> thank you, you are a fucking genius. And then all I remember is, is Kaz, my now wife, just stuck her face. So I said, right, we're going to shoot off now. So I yeah. shook Matthew Vaughan's hand, shook Brad Pitt's hand, kind of shook Matthew Vaughan's hand, and then just stuck her face in front of Brad Pitt's mouth. <laughs> and, and he sort of kissed her cheek because he had no other option. He just kissed her cheek. <laughs> and that was it. And then, and then, and then obviously, he, yeah, after, uh, I, yeah, I emailed him and he wrote a letter. And like, yeah, it might, yeah. It was a, he was a, a very, a very fine guy. Yeah, uh, Kaz, didn't, Kaz didn't wash that cheek for uh, months. Ridiculous. And, and Brad Pitt is inadvertently getting people laid, isn't he? Just, just by his very presence. Exactly. exactly. Wonderful story. Absolutely, And he's inadvertently getting people out of dis- discipline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs>
He didn't <laughs> consider that, did he? Well, no, he, was doing it. <laughs> he is a benevolent man. <laughs> <laughs> His influence is widespread. <laughs> right, I don't think we can top that. So thank you, Mark, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you on again to talk about the Day of the Dolphin or Ghost of Mars, something like that. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Um, well, uh, yeah, top man, Mark. Sorry, no, I'm really pleased to meet you. Well, thank you. Look, honestly, the pleasure is all mine. I would, I'm, yeah, without a shadow of doubt, it's my favorite podcast. I absolutely, like, every Saturday morning, I switch you guys on. I, I, it cheers me up after a long, difficult week. I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. So, uh, it's uh, the honor's all mine. Thank you very much. I love it. Cheers, and, man. I'd, I'd love to come back at some point. Okay, yeah, thank, you, guys. Cheers, thank you very uh, much. And, Yep, that was a talk about the changeling, John Carpenter, Brad Pitt, uh, and all other things. Um, we're going to play you out with some music from, how do you pronounce this, Brett? I don't get it right when it's easy. What's this band called? You don't, do you? <laughs> <laughs> this is by Denny Depatches. Yeah, well, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's by the Box Tellies. Uh-huh. And it's called Do You Mind? Mind. Do you mind? Okay. Yes, that's right. Right. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Uh, Mark, you'll hear it on Saturday morning. Uh, cheers, everyone, and see you later. Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye. Thank bye. you. I like you. You like me, too. Let's get together. You like change. I might just stay the same, maybe forever. Let's hang out for a day.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.